Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate yet another week of social distancing, or whatever it is you want to call it, as a fellow contributor at Niner Noise, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are we doing this evening, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I am self-quarantined in my house like most are and i'm just excited for the upcoming draft and to see what goodell's basement looks like yeah absolutely yeah the nfl's off season uh streaming forward as mostly normal i guess the really post draft is when things will start to feel weird but we still have a draft coming and that is our topic of conversation for today which as you noted will be um hubbed from roger goodell's basement um which as far as i can tell is the only place on the planet where you can escape the fans booing him so i think that might be part of the reason for uh for doing it there oh there will still be booing from home don't worry (laughs) i mean probably yeah people will boo him but he won't be able to hear it he'll feel it i'm sure (laughs) it'll be weird i've heard lots of things about how the nfl is trying to figure out how to do this from a virtual point of view how to still make it an experience for the players that are going to be drafted you know try not to take away their big night kind of thing so they have all these cameras that are being dispatched in homes of I, i think the number was like 58 of the top prospects that could be drafted early on in the draft that would be you know the first two rounds worth of players or something along those lines so they can get live moments and all those kinds of things of course, those uh, those will be interesting because it'll be really curious to see like if if one prospect has like too many people in his house, if they're going to get like lambasted on Twitter or something like that. Like, oh no, like uh, Chase Young has ten people at his at his house. Like he's not social distancing or something like that. I don't know. Yes, I think they actually set a limit of six. Yeah, I think they did. Um, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I've heard that if you have like seven people in there, then they just disqualify you, and you need to try to get redrafted the following year. 
So we'll see if they <laughs> comply with that or not. Hey, there we go. We were uh, chatting about this earlier today. Apparently they're running a test uh, with the GMs and this system. There's something like three different ways that GMs can call in to make sure that the pick gets in on time because they're still running the, the time clocks per picks and everything. But you can email this person or call this person or make this call through. Then there's you know, a number of different people that can actually make the call. Care pigeon. So that way that teams can make sure that they get calls in. And it will certainly be an interesting draft from that point of view without all the sort of fanfare that would have taken place. And unfortunately, we're also going to miss it on the boats that were going to happen in Las Vegas this year, supposedly. So yeah. there's that. And I heard that they're going to do the 2019 draft all over again. So we don't get to do the 2020 draft, <laughs> which I would actually like to do over again. Yeah. So I just hope that we can get Mitch drafted before the fourth round. <laughs> That's all I ask from you guys. <laughs> so it's Bosa and then Debo and then Mitch, maybe instead of Jalen Hurd. Or maybe just Mitch. <laughs> Too Maybe far. we trade up. Too far. Too far. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll switch picks with Arizona and then we'll just grab Mitch. <laughs> with the first pick. There you we know. go. Um, so with all that in mind, we are going to take on the role of the general manager today. We're going to play the role of John Lynch. I think between the two of us, we can manage to have about a quarter of the amount of football knowledge that John Lynch has in his head. So that seems to work out, I think. So what we're going to do is we're going to together compile a mock draft based on our understanding of what the team needs and what the strengths of this draft class are. And we'll explain how we're going to do that in just a second, but just kind of as a rundown, the 49ers coming into the draft. As of right now, the 49ers have the following picks. They have two first round picks, number 13 overall, which they got from Indianapolis in the DeForest Buckner trade, the number 31 overall, which was their um, original first round pick. Then they don't have any picks until the fifth round, where they have the number 11 pick in the fifth round, which is 156 overall, which they got from Denver. Um, which trade was that? That's for somebody. I don't recall. Was it uh, Sanders related? Yeah, that was the pick swap for the Emmanuel Sanders. That's right. And then they have their own fifth round pick, which is 176. They have their own sixth round pick, which is 210 overall. They have the number three pick in the seventh round, which is 217 overall, which they got from Detroit. Um, um, I, I'm guessing uh, Eli Harold. Yes, that's correct. Um, it was the Eli Harold trade. Good call, Chris. And then they have their own seventh round pick, which is 245 overall. So that is a total of seven picks for the draft. Now, obviously, things could change. But as of right now, it's that seven number with a large gap in between their second and third picks overall, which is kind of interesting. So what we're going to do is we're going to take each of those picks one at a time and we're going to go back and forth with the picks. And each of us is going to provide a selection for each of those picks. Now, one thing that we are not going to do is actually suggest trades that could be made. Although I think as we move along, what something that we will do is suggest like, oh, this could be a place where we might make a trade or we could see a trade being made something along those lines let's just say i would be highly surprised if these seven picks are the seven picks that the niners end up making or even if they end up even making seven picks when it's all said and done so chris any general thoughts before we move on into the mock draft general thoughts yeah i'm usually good for a general thought or two <laughs> first of all you said that all these decisions are lynches or i um, don't necessarily know if that's the case Right, true. So I feel like one of us needs to be Shanahan and one of us needs to be Lynch. So we need to decide <laughs> right now. Right now? Yeah. Ooh. Um, I don't know. That that's a that's a tough call. I feel like you should be Shanny. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, because you're in charge. <laughs> I'll be Lynch. I'll just be like 
kissing babies and like shaking hands and running for Congress or something like that. I like it. Sounds good. I will take being the offensive genius. That works for me. <laughs> but the one thing is you need to like needlessly fall in love with some player and then draft him like three rounds too early and trade up for it too. So fall in love with someone right now. Got it. Done. Done. <laughs> I'm thinking about it as we move through. Yeah. But beyond that, I might have a couple more thoughts. Okay. <laughs> so entering this exercise, talking about draft needs. So what do we want to do? What position groups are position groups of need? What are your top five position groups that we need to add to to become a better team in 2020, 2021? Yeah. Well, I think wide receiver is definitely the top slot, mostly because, and we've had this conversation uh, ad nauseum at this particular point a lot of bodies still a lot of question marks at that position so i think you need to bring in somebody who can add something to the team immediately and uh, supposedly again this is the best group in the whole draft and the best of its kind in a long time so i think you need to take advantage of that the middle of the top five sort of gets a little bit mm, i could go either way i could be convinced in different directions about it but it's some combination of interior offensive line defensive tackle and cornerback I think interior offensive line is more of a like we could use an upgrade immediately like right now, whereas defensive tackle and cornerback might be we definitely need to be thinking about the long term future of that position because of the sort of unknowns of the where that's going in the same vein. I think offensive tackle is also on the list. I think it's the least amount of need at this particular juncture as things currently stand with the 49ers roster, but with Joe Staley being where he is at this point in his career and probably closer uh, to the end of it (laughs) than he is continuing on much longer. uh, I think we need to be thinking about the future of that position, but it is those five in some particular order. Although at this point it's a wide receiver interior offensive line are the top two for me. Uh, What about you? So I agree with two things. The first one being that Staley is closer to the end of his career than the beginning of his career. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second is, I pretty much had the same five. The only difference is that the middle three, I had cornerback first and then interior offense line and then DT, but I could really see it either way. I sort of think that Sherman was a little maybe overrated this last year because just because they didn't really throw the ball his way. So I think they need to upgrade that position sooner rather than later and maybe even like this year. So... I'm a little bit worried about that. You know, he's sort of been hyped up and, you know, he had a great BFF grade and, you know, obviously he's still a great player. Yeah. But age does affect performance unless you're Tom Brady. <laughs> I had to throw that in there again. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Tom. I love you. He does. Well, no, not really. But I still think I have decent. Turned into a top tier game manager. But for me, it was wide receiver, cornerback, interior offensive line in case they don't think that run skill is the answer and they think that one of these other guys that are currently on the roster is the answer because they're not. And then defensive tackle because I really think that the loss of Buckner is going to hurt, but we have guys who can sort of fill in as best they can. Like the way that DJ Jones was playing last year before he got injured was pretty good. And if he can continue on the track, he's obviously not on the Buckner track, but he can be a force on the inside. And then obviously tackle because keep hearing that Staley might retire, but you know, I'll believe it when it happens. And that's not a challenge. Staley, please don't retire. <laughs> so the only other thought I had, and literally the only other thought in my head, <laughs> was the areas that we really need to address because we've lost talent over the offseason. I think and overall, on paper, we're a worse team than we were at the end of last year which is normal for a team that 
went to the Super Bowl, whether you win or lose, you're just going to lose a lot of your players. And of course, you know, there's the maturity factor and, and you know, we have a lot of young players who are still learning the positions, so they're going to get better. So, you know, you can't really take that into account objectively. But we lost Buckner, and then we lost Day. We didn't really replace him with anybody. We lost Sanders. We replaced him with Travis Benjamin. So it's possible he makes the team, but who knows. We let go of Person, and then we replaced him with Tom Compton. So I don't think that Person's quite the trailblazer, but compared to Compton, he pretty much is. So we really need to hope that Richburg comes back. <laughs> we lost Tolio Yolo, so I don't know what kind of real loss that is, but it, it is one less player on the team. And then we lost Elijah Lee and then picked up Joe Walker. I really don't understand that one either. So it's another guy that I'm sort of assuming that is sort of camp fodder. Yep. And then finally... Um, I think the one area that we may have upgraded is letting go of Anthony Zettel and then picking up Kerry Hyder from the Cowboys. And he's shown some flashes in his career, whereas Zettel is just a guy who sort of looks a little bit like Bosa on the outside, and then you realize it's not Bosa immediately, and then you wonder why he's on the field. So I don't think that's a great loss, and I think that Hyder could fill a you know, rotational role on the outside. So I think because of that, we need to improve this team this year via the draft because we didn't in free agency. So if we want to be better, meaning if we want to be like one victory better, then we need to hit on some of these picks. And unfortunately, we did not have a lot of them, especially in the early rounds. So I would be shocked if we pick twice in the first round, especially where we were slated to pick. And you know, just doing the math real quick when you're talking about where we do pick, between 31 and 156, we have no selections. So that's 125 picks, <laughs> which is basically half of the draft. Yeah, it's a long time. Because I think it's like 245 or 255. 255 picks yeah, is the that. total. Our last pick is 245. Yeah, so 255 total picks and 125 picks that we are not involved <laughs> it's a good chunk of the draft i can't imagine it's gonna happen that way yeah no 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 although this will be a fun exercise i'm sure because you get to mod my picks <laughs> <laughs> i think that we should definitely take into account of the fact that there will be some trading going on and i think that could happen as early as uh 13 and if not 13 then definitely 31 yeah so those are all the thoughts i have in my head i think those are all good i think the big thing uh with 13 will be that they'll have you know a couple of players at that spot that there you feel comfortable grabbing at 13 and that if it's looking like it's not going to shape up for them in the direction that they feel comfortable going then that's the point at which you start bailing out and figuring out ways to deal with that of course there's always conversation about smoke screen during this time which is always fun but it's going to be really interesting to see which direction this actually goes but for now we're going to take on each of these seven picks but just kind of go over how we're going to operate this so we're going to use the draft network's mock draft machine on their website which is a nice tool that um kind of helps to predict based on their draft boards and their understanding of teams needs and that sort of thing, the direction that various teams might go. So it matches up pretty nicely with their mock drafts that they've created, but not fully necessarily. But what that means is that we couldn't make any trades because uh, part of their premium content, which is totally fine. <laughs> there were other sites that we could have gone with that would allowed for trades, but it starts to get really complicated when you start trying to make trades under these circumstances. So I think it's okay to just note where we might make trades as opposed to trying to make them. I think otherwise I would spend probably the next three hours just trying to trade. See if we can get from seven to 14 draft picks in the course. Yeah. Oh, 14. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> 
So although that would also be something fun, it would not be something you would want to listen to. So <laughs> no, absolutely. And I don't think from realistic sense, I'm pretty sure we don't have the cap room to pay 14 draft picks anyway. So yeah, like maybe the entire seventh round. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a bunch of people who are not going to make the team. All right. So we will go ahead then and get started with our first first round pick. All right, Shandy, make it happen. The number 13 pick overall, as I noted, which 49ers got from Indianapolis via the DeForest Buckner trade. And with the number 13 pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Alabama. <laughs> now, did they send a uh, Roger Goodell like blow up doll for him to run up and hug? <laughs> I, I really hope so. Um, <laughs> I'd be surprised if you could find someone to make that. So, <laughs> so the conversation, of course, as we've talked about um, at great length, has been about the quality of this wide receiver group, not only in the early parts of this draft, but also in other parts of the draft as well. But that doesn't mean, uh, at least in my mind, that if the opportunity comes for the 49ers to grab one of the top receivers in this group at 13, that they shouldn't take advantage of it if they can. Now, I'm not going to say that Jerry Judy is a can't-fail wide receiver prospect, because, number one, there's no such thing, no matter what position you play. But uh, to my mind, it just feels like he's the most polished player in terms of, like, route running and and the ability to make things happen with the ball in his hands as he has shown for Alabama for the last several years. I could also see Lamb coming off, CeeDee Lamb from uh, Oklahoma being an option here because he offers a, a little bit more of a size opportunity that the 49ers don't have on their roster. Um, the conversation that I've seen in some cases is that Jerry Judy is basically a souped up version of Dante Pettis and so he may be a little bit extra although the question would be whether or not dante pettis is actually going to feature on this team in 2020 and beyond and so maybe that doesn't really even matter but i think judy is is the direction to go he seems in a lot of cases to be the top wide receiver a lot of this is going to be how the draft falls in the draft that we're running now all three of the top receiving options which also include his uh alabama teammate henry ruggs the third all were there at 13 and so i just kind of took the the best player that i thought would be available I think for me, it's either got to be Judy or Lamb or possibly Ruggs. And then maybe if one of the top tackle options, as we noted, uh, picking up somebody uh, to be that heir apparent for Staley might be another option at 13. Or if it's not any of these guys, like I said, it's, it's kind of the way the, the board falls. If you're getting down to like your fifth or sixth guy on the draft board, I think it might be time to think about getting some more picks for this one because I think you can get a lot for the number 13 pick in a way that you might not be able to get for other picks later on. So for our mock, we're going to go with Jerry Judy from Alabama. All right. If I had to choose a wide receiver that spot, I would pick Judy as well. I think he's the best of the three and the most likely to be a force in the NFL and be a number one wideout. But just over the last week or so, the more that I look at these top three wideouts, I'm just not quite sure that, that they're really a top half of the first round caliber wide receivers maybe one is or two could be or or maybe none or i mean it's always possible that all three are but it seems like a very risky move knowing that the contract that you're gonna have to provide him and the money you're gonna have to pay even if he pulls a pettis <laughs> and by the way i, I was almost very proud of you there because i thought you were going to say something about cats <laughs> never never Judy. i could see it coming i was like oh that was gonna be so proud one day <laughs> <laughs> so the problem that I have here is you're not getting anybody like Julio Jones-esque that just has no problems on doesn't have any significant problems. That's just a no-brainer. With Judy, he has 
excellent production, as does Lamb. With Judy and Lamb, I sort of go either way because they're sort of similar in size. I think Judy's like 6'1", 193, and Lamb's like an inch taller and, you know, like five pounds heavier or something like that. And their statistics are fairly similar, and like a lot of their other physical attributes are similar. Some of the most important attributes for wide receivers, not necessarily the 40, but Judy comes in at 4.45 and Lamp's a 4.5 guy. And what's more important is broad jump, where Judy's 120 inches and Lamp's 124, both of which are not elite by any stretch of the imagination. And the second most important combine drill for wide receivers is the vertical jump. And Judy's at 35 and Lamp's at 34.5. So again, not very elite. So we're talking about two guys with hands that are between nine and a quarter, nine and a half inches and 32 inch arms, which is all right. But they're not really those type of specimens <laughs> athletically like a guy like Ruggs is. <laughs> now, the problem with Ruggs is that he's not productive <laughs> and a lot of that could and probably does have to do with the fact that he had great players that he was competing with for targets, including one of the last two guys I talked about. But the fact that he was catching 40 balls a year and getting into the end zone some, and the guy is just flat out electric. I mean, he's running a 427. We were discussing before. He's got like weird monster sized hands <laughs> compared to the rest of his body because he's like 5'11 and 180 something and hands over 10 inches. Like Alex Smith is drooling, like looking at his hands. <laughs> but then, of course, he has shorter arms, but he's catching 40 balls for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. So it's like, okay, that's okay if you want to blame it on the other receivers that are good but if he were that good then why wouldn't he be getting the targets so a lot of people are sort of comparing him to Debo saying oh you know it's like the, the next Debo which is sort of nice that we have a guy that we drafted in the second round where he's highly regarded that other analysts are like oh this top 15 potential draft pick is just like the guy that the Niners drafted in the second round last year so he could turn into another Debo type guy even though he's a stuff and doesn't have the strength and the anger <laughs> that Debo runs with and he could definitely take the top off of a defense but do we really have a quarterback who can throw deep passes accurately so I think all that needs to be taken into account but I would also go in the order that you went with Judy first Lamb second Ruggs third but the more I think about it I think I want to trade out of this spot and you can get a lot of draft capital for a 13 pick, especially if there's someone on the board and that somebody's going to slip. There's just too many good players at the top. And they're also quarterbacks who are maybe good and maybe not, but they're quarterbacks, so it doesn't matter. So teams are going to want them. They could get a, a big haul for that selection and they need draft picks in the middle rounds. And as long as they don't misuse them like they have been recently, other than Warner and Mitch, of course. <laughs> so those are my thoughts on that, and I will make sure not to be as thorough <laughs> with the rest of your picks, especially because I like don't know some of them. Yeah, sure. yeah that's so all good. Go. All right, Chris, go ahead and take on our second first-round pick. Again, theoretically yeah. speaking, uh, number 31 overall. Okay, this pick angers me greatly <laughs> because I do not want to pick this player at 31, but I feel like we're going to be at the top of the second round. The guy that I like there is the same guy that I spoke about last week. You know, we didn't nickname him, but he is at least temporarily nicknamed Iggy until we <laughs> learn otherwise. But Igbenogany? That sounds right. Yeah. Noah, Noah Igbenogany or something like that. Yeah. I've been practicing all week. That guy. Yeah. So cornerback from Auburn. And you know, just like we discussed last week, and I'm 
of course, all of you guys listen, so I don't want to repeat myself too much. But you know, he's very raw, a guy who's not going to start day one, but extremely athletic, extremely talented, prior wide receiver who was converted to cornerback in college. So he's still learning. And he does have some pass interference holding issues that he needs to clean up, but that's sort of what you would expect from a player who is a, just a straight-up athlete. And he compares actually favorably as a wide receiver to Judy and Lamb and that he has a better vertical, he has better broad jump. He's, I think, in the middle as far as speed is concerned. He has bigger hands and is about the same length arms. He is obviously a little bit shorter, 5'10", but he's Lamb's weight despite being four inches shorter. So he's a little more solid and he is a guy who can hopefully, <laughs> if he's taught proper technique, match up against most wide receivers in the NFL. So you wouldn't necessarily want, or you wouldn't start day one, but could end up being extremely good talent and a steal in the beginning of the second round. So even though I have a couple of other guys that I would, if I had to make an actual selection of this juncture, like Jalen Johnson from Utah, somehow Christian Fulton's still on the board, even though I don't like him too much. I'd try to take Johnson if I had to choose one. But since I believe that it's most likely that the Niners will be choosing, if they're choosing a cornerback, it's probably going to be from the beginning of the second round. Then I'm going to go with my main man, Iggy. Your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I think that all works out. We talked about need, and I think cornerback is... Sure, you'd like to be able to grab somebody who can immediately step in and be a starter. But I think as far as starters are concerned for 2020, I think they're more or less in pretty good shape. If you assume that Richard Sherman and Emmanuel Mosley are your starters, I think you're probably fine there. I think you probably feel pretty good about where you are for this upcoming football season. This pick is definitely about finding somebody that you can groom over the next year or so and put somebody in a position to when Sherman's contract is up at the end of 2021, I believe you put him in a place where he might be ready to step up. I believe Witherspoon is also a free agent either at the end of this year or next year. Mosley will still be in his restricted free agent period at that particular point, but we're getting to the point where basically the entire secondary is, is at or near the end of their contracts or at or near the end of their careers. And it's time to start thinking about the future. And so this would be a nice place for a guy like this to have some time to be on the roster and to make the team, but probably not be put into a position where he's going to be immediately needing to be a, a massive part of the team. And I think there's an interesting thing about the new CBA, which increases the roster size from 53 to 55. And those other two positions are kind of like, I was talking to someone about this uh, the other day and essentially the 54th and 55th spots are kind of like baseball players with like minor league options they're on the active roster, but they also get to sort of be moved up and down between the practice squad and the active roster and da 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 It's sort of a kind of interesting thing that they're doing with that, but it might be ideal for a player like this who needs some seasoning, but could also do for some game opportunities down the road. Another thing about him is, you know, if you want him to be playing special teams just to start out, absolutely, he's a pretty decent kick returner. Ah, there so you go. since it seems like Richie James is not going to be on this team anymore and it makes me sad <laughs> unless just everyone just continues to be injured and finds a, a last spot on the roster we're gonna get a guy to return kicks and he can be explosive in the open field because he was wide receiver yeah I think overall probably not at 31 but training back 10 spots maybe even more and you can still pick this guy up cool hopefully 
So that's my guy. All right, Shani. Yes. We are now going to wait a couple days. <laughs> it's a really long time. <laughs> I ran a couple of versions of a, of a mock draft just to kind of get a feel for what the draft network's database looked like and how it was going to flow. It takes four ever to get from 31 to the 49ers next pick which is in the fifth round number 156 overall which they got from denver as part of the emmanuel sanders trade sad it's a really long time like it took several minutes to get get from one pick to the other because there was no like way to make it go faster and i was just like really no okay cool it's definitely good that we already made the trip out to vegas even though it's not going to be here so we can just go hit the slot actually are the casinos even open i I doubt it probably not probably not but we'll find some like way off the strip casino i like it spend the next day and a half to hit slot machines and fifth round will be coming in a couple days sounds good wish us luck and see you guys then All right, we are back for day three, and yep, it looks like Jalen Johnson is off the board, and I knew we should trade it back. Well, if you could kindly lend me some lunch money, because, you know, Vegas, I will leave you to make our first fifth round selection. (laughs) So uh, with that uh, 156th overall pick, the 11th pick in the fifth round, we're going to go with a defensive tackle by the name of Khalil Davis out of Nebraska. He actually apparently has a twin brother who's also in this draft, which is very interesting. But Khalil Davis played on the defensive line at Nebraska for several years. He is certainly what you would expect from a a defensive lineman. Uh, He's a sort of not very he's he's a big guy. He's only six one, but he weighs three hundred and eight pounds, which, according to mock draftable, is a fifth percentile for height and 80th percentile for weight for defensive linemen. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so kind of a squatty fella, <laughs> kind of in the vein of DJ Jones, although I don't think he's quite the athlete DJ Jones is. He did, however, run a 4.75 40-yard dash, which is wow. the 83rd percentile for his position. And he bench-pressed 32 reps, which is in Ooh. the 80th percentile. All right. His defensive lineman comparisons are his brother, shockingly enough, Carlos Davis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, twins, right? Um, and his thanks a lot, <laughs> Yeah, Come really on, good. Man. Step it up. <laughs> his second uh, comparison is Geno Atkins, who's pretty good. I'll take Geno Atkins with my first pick in the fifth round, please. Yeah, absolutely. Geno Atkins is also his top athletic comparison as well. He's mostly a run stopper that will plug holes in the middle of the defensive line. Could be a, a guy that comes in and, and spells DJ Jones if DJ Jones is going to be the sort of starter in the inside. But I think if we learned anything about this defensive line from last year, it is that they are interested in rotating guys as much as possible. In the um, most inopportune times for the express reason of angering me. Sometimes to their detriment, um, I think we would probably argue that they made too many, too much rotation at wrong times in, in some cases. We know for sure that they want to stack options on that defensive line, and they have the added benefit of being able to add another defensive lineman to their roster, as I noted with the 55 guys on the active roster, and then also the addition of two extra players to the game day roster. Now, one of them has to be an offensive lineman, but the other could be a defensive lineman, uh, which is certainly something that I would see this team doing, given the amount of time that they like to spend sort of rotating these defensive linemen. And I think grabbing somebody who is a Geno Atkins athletic comp 
whether or not he will be a production guy at that level is obviously a lot to ask. Um, but he certainly could be a good quality sort of interior depth guy. He's probably not going to be a pass rush player to the level of someone like DeForest Buckner, but of course no one is, but <laughs> that would not be an ask, but it would be someone who can come in and wreck some havoc on the inside. So I think it's a good direction to go at this point in the fifth round. Well, it sounds good to me. He's fat, he's short, he's fast and he's strong and he's basically Geno Atkins. So yes, yeah, I, I, I sort of <laughs> like that. <laughs> if, again, if he turns out to be, you know, like 75% of Geno Atkins, then you're probably in good shape, right? Yeah. Or like 25%. Or <laughs> Yeah. When you're talking about the new CBA and the roster rules, like, I wonder how they're going to police that offensive lineman aspect. Yeah, that is a real interesting question. Like, oh, well, you normally keep seven offensive linemen and now you have nine. Are you using one extra, two extra? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. If they throw them on special teams, a guy like that, maybe a guy a little taller, <laughs> but yeah. but a defensive tackle and throw them on special teams and let them block. Yeah. Maybe a guy who played offense in college or whatever right i wonder if that qualifies he's our two-way player he, yeah, 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 he yeah, plays exactly. offense and defensive line this is yeah, college for sure we're going back to like to high school 30s here yeah <laughs> yeah exactly right. i was wondering that myself i was like how do they know that i kept an extra offensive lineman yeah i think you just got like change the numbers and you're good to go i guess guess so, so. i don't know so i approve your selection of chino atkins 2.0 in the fifth round i like it cool all right so the 49ers have one other fifth round pick and that is their own fifth round pick which is number 31 in the fifth round 176 overall and chris that one goes to you all right so we're in the fifth round and somehow my man fell to this spot which i was a little bit surprised about so i'm gonna try to go with a all difficult to pronounce name draft. <laughs> and I'm going to go with Missouri tight end, Albert Okuwebunham, common Nigerian spelling. Uh-huh. Apparently his nickname is Albert O. So I like it. As much fun as that was for me to look up and say, I'd rather call him Albert O. <laughs> so this guy athletically is a monster. He's 6'5". 258 with 34 plus arms, 10 and a quarter, 10 and a half inch hands. He runs a 449 40 yard dash, which was the fastest 40 yard dash by any time in the combine, but then didn't participate in any other drills, which I didn't really like too much. Basically, he's a fifth round tight end. He's bigger and faster than Kittle. So I can't see how we can't draft this guy. I mean, it's basically throw him in the line. He's going to be twice as good as Kittle ever was. All right, now back to reality. He would hopefully play a nice complimentary role to Kittle, and he has some traits that he needs to work on, as you would expect from most fifth-rounders who aren't named George Kittle. <laughs> but he has a lot of qualities outside of his massive height and strength and size and speed. He has very good ball skills and exceptionally good ball skills in the end zone. So he had a total of 98 receptions over three years in college and 23 of those receptions were touchdowns <laughs> and they weren't all just like short touchdowns there. You know, some were short and some were long, but he really has the ability to attack the ball and make plays in the red zone. And we still lack that guy after years and years of trying to obtain him. And, you know, Jalen Hurd was supposed to be that guy last year, but Albert O could potentially be that guy this year if they want to run two tight end sets or you know split out a uh, kill to the outside and have him on the other side. 
you, being Shani, could really devise some very interesting plays other than running Coleman up the middle that would actually result in touchdowns. I like it. He's definitely a boomer bust guy. He still doesn't totally understand how to play the position, you know, which is not uncommon for tight ends coming in out of college up until a couple of years ago. Tight ends the first year were nowhere to be seen. And then, you know, they'd sort of come up in the second and maybe third, fourth year. But things have changed a little bit, but he did not acquire a lot of those skills necessary when he was back in college. So he needs still needs to be taught the position. He does have an injury history. And I guess so there, there are some downs. Otherwise, he wouldn't be available in the spot. And I don't know if he will be available in the spot when the actual draft happens because just his, his measurables are just throughout of this world and some of the plays that he makes you're like whoa i mean this guy could be a serious talent in the nfl and not just a number two guy but all we need right now is a number two guy yeah he's not the greatest blocker which is sort of surprising given his size but hopefully that's something that can be taught with totally low gone kittle will teach him yeah exactly right he's definitely a lot bigger than kittle if kittle can be the best blocking tight end in the league then I'm sure he can teach this kid a thing or two yeah whether he'll be able to say his name or not i don't know <laughs> Again, I said boomer bust. We're talking fifth round here for the Niners. Fifth round tight ends were money. <laughs> so Albert Okuwe Boonham. I like it. Or something similar will be my number 176 overall selection. The 31st pick in the fifth round. Yeah. And on top of everything else, he's only going to be 22 uh, at the end of April. Uh, actually, during draft weekend, I believe, is when his birthday is. He turns 22. So he is a young guy, and there will be a lot of opportunity to teach him a thing or two and upgrade at that second tight end position behind George Kittle. So on we move then to the sixth round, several picks later. They don't have another pick scheduled until their own pick in the sixth round, number 31. In the sixth round, 210 overall. And with that selection, I'm going to grab another pass catcher. I know it's crazy that we are grabbing more receivers at this point, but I'm kind of of the opinion that the goal at this juncture with the pass catchers, both as wide receivers and tight ends, is to stock up as many good ones as we can and see who wins the dog fight. Dog fight, not cat fight. Not cat fight. No, nobody wins a cat fight. You're nobody getting wins. closer. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Antonio Gandy Golden, a wide receiver from Liberty. Ooh, I like his name. That is a lot of name. Well, I'm sold with a name like that. Cares if you can play. Um, so my my thought here is again, <laughs> uh, we talked about how this is the best position in the draft this year, supposedly. Uh, so why not grab another one? A lot of general managers think you can grab a quality wide receiver in the late rounds this year and so let's see if he can jump in here so that gandy golden name is going to take up a lot of space in the back of his jersey and i (laughs) that's what i was just gonna say i think we might need another font like for back of jerseys if we go this direction (laughs) he's gonna have one of those arched names i think but it does say golden in there which feels like pretty perfect for a 49er just gonna throw that out there so he is a big fella 6'4 222 for wide receivers is in the 90th percentile in height 91st percentile in weight so he's a big guy not particularly large hands or long arms or anything like that for his size. And he's, you know, not the fastest guy and doesn't have a lot of the measurables that you want. But he he did put up 22 reps on the bench press, which is 94th percentile for wide receivers, according to uh, Mark Draftable. So strong, big, strong guy. And uh, from what I read and saw will go up and get the ball out of the air, which is something that in spite of having some other taller guys on the roster although he would be the tallest receiver 
well, he would have been other than Albert O, who you just added to the team. But as far as wide receivers, he's going to be the biggest guy on the team. Am I supposed to call him, by the way, right now and let him know? Yeah, yeah, I think I think we should. Okay. The one thing that will make this a problem is that Gandy Golden is not the most refined route runner in the world, which for someone his size is not terribly surprising. But that didn't steer them away from uh, Jalen Hurd last year. And I don't think it's going to be something that would be a major problem here because I think his big thing is sort of go to a spot, put your hands up in the air, and you'll probably be bigger and longer than most people. I think that's going to be his big thing. So within these last two picks, we've managed to add potentially some red zone targets, some guys who can go up and get the ball out of the air, which I think is something that is lacking on this team. I think if there's something that this wide receiver slash receiving group in general doesn't have it's it's that and so i think we're gonna bolster that part of the receiving group so what are your thoughts on antonio gandy golden that is hyphenated by the way gandy golden well right off the bat i think we need to schedule a meeting with jed to extend our contracts because we were absolutely crushing this draft now admittedly i don't know too much about this long named gentleman but as we both know, that's not my job. It's your job to know those types of things. Now, I don't remember taking any classes with him, so that's obviously a negative. But what I do like about him is his measurables, especially his size. I guess that would give us almost like 13 feet worth of ability in the red zone, which would be nice. And the 49ers really need a red zone. Tar- you know, I mean, they do use Kittle, but you know, Kittle's not the tallest, biggest guy, and he's used in other ways. But if they could get like a Jalen Hurd, <laughs> like, if they can get a guy like that who can really be a guy you can throw a fade route to and have some type of expectation that he's going to either come down with it or knock it away, I think that would really help their red zone offense. And, you know, they have had red zone problems in the past, and sometimes clears itself up a little bit and sometimes it doesn't, but you never want to be a cornerback who's like five. 10 and facing a guy who's six four two twenty two. doesn't matter if he can run routes or not right so um yeah so i definitely like it from that perspective and i like the name i just don't know why you have so much beef with richie james i don't know why you want him to get cut or you, it's just already like done so i we've just I, I don't yeah i just not sure that there's all that i can do at at this point <laughs> you've got to be able to do something <laughs> if anybody can it's shanahan Unless, unless Trent Taylor like actually gets his foot amputated. Yeah, I don't want that to happen, though. I mean, jeez. <laughs> right. I, that's what I'm saying is that that's the kind of thing that will make Richie James make this oh, team. Richie. Uh, I, I, I know. It's sad. It's sad, but it's probably the case. I'm not accepting <laughs> it until it happens. I know. I apologize. Yeah, and then I'll start throwing stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I, I like the pick. I like cool. The pick. I, d- I do want to note the thing that the, the Niners seem to avoid in 2019 to solve the red zone woes was just not to get that close just to score from further away which is a strategy i'm very much in favor of by the way just for the record because the closer you get the harder it gets so let's just put it that way yeah and the more likely that you decide to throw robbie gold on the field on fourth down and short you know whatever um he's old uh you're the one who signed him i'm just gonna say that i'm pretty sure you're in charge here (laughs) (laughs) on we go then to our second to last pick the penultimate pick of the draft as it were the seventh round number three 217 overall which as you noted we got uh in the eli harold trade so good for us all right uh chris what are we gonna do with this we are going to do great things with this i like it (laughs) yeah and we are also going to pick a guy with a very simple last name that the nfl can't get correct and luckily we only had to wait a couple picks to select him but in the seventh round 
pick number 217, which is number three. We're going to pick Cameron Clark. There's no Ian Clark, NFL. <laughs> offensive lineman from UNC Charlotte. And we are picking him, obviously, because UNC Charlotte's team name is the 49ers. It is. It's true. So it just makes too much sense. You know, I went there for grad school, right? Oh, I, I did not know that. True story. True story. Oh, okay. So no wonder you want to get this guy in like the second round. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all coming together. <laughs> but after taking a look at him, per your recommendation, he is an interesting prospect, especially later in the draft because he played left tackle in college and he played it very well but he has some athletic issues <laughs> nothing horrible but he just does not make for the optimal left tackle at the nfl level whereas in college he can get by with his measurables so a lot of analysts are you know saying that he's probably better suited to play the guard position which is not the worst thing for us because we have a guy who can potentially play tackle and we have a guy who can play on the interior of the offensive line as well, which we really need. He has long arms, even longer than our current left tackle. But his problem is just, like overall, he's just not very athletic. He's 6'4", 308, 34 plus inch arms. So, I mean, he has the size that he needs, but he doesn't really have the speed. He didn't do it very well in the 40, which is one of the better indicators for tackles. He played tackle for a really strong Charlotte running game, but he's also a good pass protector as well. If he's able to play tackle, if he's able to play swing tackle, if he's able to play on the interior, I think that he's a guy who you could pick up very late in the draft and potentially make the team as a uh, reserve lineman, especially with the new rule, unless we just change like Armstead's number to 62 I'm trying to think of an offensive lineman number that's not already taken. That would look so, that would look so weird. <laughs> yeah. So we are going to need linemen, and hopefully that's why we keep signing such bad ones. And he could potentially play a role now or in the future, either on the interior or the exterior of the line. The only thing I ask is for NFL.com to just spell his name right. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're getting all these other guys' names spelled correctly, and you can't spell Clark. Clark without the E. Yeah, there ain't no E. There, NFL.com. Good deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, as is often the case with sort of mid-majors. Uh, Charlotte plays in Conference USA with other other teams like Middle Tennessee State and that sort of thing. Whatever, man. It's cool. Where, you know, our, our good friend Rich James came from. You're going to see them generally excel at one part of, of offense and not the other. It's a relatively new program. I think they're starting their sixth or seventh season. They're, they will be um supposedly uh in the fall and so they have been a pretty much a run heavy school for most of their existence and so i think shanahan would really dig his ability as a run blocker it's, it's very interesting if you look at his profile he and tristan Wirfs from iowa who is considered like one of the top two or three offensive tackles in the draft very similar body in terms of their uh, height, weight, uh, Werfs is like 12 pounds heavier, that sort of thing. The big difference being that Werfs ran the 40 <laughs> like a whole second faster than he did. Yep, um, <laughs> and that's there's the difference um, is Werfs ability to move at that size as opposed to Clark. He's probably not what you would say slow. Um, he could probably still outrun me, for example, in the 40. <laughs> 
But, you know, everything else, as you noted, checks out. He's got good arm length, good wingspan, good strength overall. And so that probably says to me that if if he can uh, work out something where he can continue to work on things that will help make him more explosive as an athlete, maybe he can find a, a spot as a backup in this team. And even with the addition of that extra offensive lineman, I think finding versatile players at that position is going to be really important. So having somebody like Clark who could probably play either guard position and maybe could move into either tackle position if he needed him to, along with somebody like Daniel Brunskill, who has the ability to play pretty much anywhere on the offensive line. I think you're going to make your life a lot easier if you have guys like that who are on your team who can move around as needed and will help to make your team a little bit better. So there you go. So good stuff. Good job. Well, thank you for your approval, boss. You're you're welcome. <laughs> so we'll move on to our uh, final pick of the draft. That is number 31 in the seventh round, number 245 overall. So 10 picks before the end of the draft all together. So not quite irrelevant, but very close. Not quite Mr. Irrelevant. He's just close to being that. Um, and we're going to go with another secondary player. As I noted, the 2020 secondary is in pretty good shape. But beyond that, we're not sure... How much longer Sherman will be around? Quest Guitard is nearing the end of his contract. Quan Williams, I believe, is a, a free agent after the 2020 season, along with Witherspoon, who I mentioned, and then mostly for restricted free agency after this year. So there's just a lot of questions beyond this year. So starting to build in more players who can come in and produce, not as players necessarily in 2020, but can build their skills up. And so with that, we're going to go with uh, Jordan Fuller, who's a safety out of Ohio State. Again, developmental guy. He's a sort of thick hitter kind of guy. His main issues were related to coverage and sort of taking bad angles and all that kind of stuff. Those are the kinds of things that you can certainly work with a player on. You can teach the ability to take better angles and that sort of thing. Um, But you can't teach somebody to be six foot two and 203 pounds. Um, (laughs) He'll probably want to put on a little bit more weight to that number. Uh, As far as safeties goes, he's a a little light, lighter than you want him to be, but he's in a pretty good shape as far as that's concerned. And um, for, from from everything that I, that I saw and, and kind of read about him, he's, he seems to be a, 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 a good kid who's willing to, to step in and do what needs to be done. And so that may mean that he spends a year on the practice squad. It may be that he carves out a role for himself as a special teamer, especially if he's a willing and able tackler, which it seems that he is. I think that's the kind of person that you're looking for in the seventh round, somebody with some upside, somebody with the ability to not step in immediately, especially for a team like this, which uh, has Super Bowl aspirations. If your seventh round picks are making your roster at this point in your team development, it's probably not really what you want. So could have been a lot of directions to go with this. I really wanted to, <laughs> there was a cornerback out of Nebraska whose name is Lamar Jackson. And I really wanted to, to talk about him for like 10 minutes, but I decided to go with Jordan Fuller instead to sort of round out a secondary position in that particular case. So Chris, any thoughts on that? Yeah. If we could uh, maybe like trick the Ravens <laughs> into switching players with us or something like that. Yeah. But otherwise I like the safety look because, you know, we do have a lot of corners, but safety is one position that we have a, couple of players who each have injury histories so it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that we will need a short term and knock on wood in my head hopefully not a long term replacement at one of the positions at some point this season <laughs> yeah let's let's strong safety is more of a position need for the 49ers this year and looking forward as well for the upcoming 2020 season in the extremely outside chance that Ward 
misses any playing time. You either have Moore as a backup at free, and then Tark can play there as well, and DJ Reed has some experience for safety. However, if Tark goes down, either you're moving one of the two top free safeties into the box, right. or you're likely riding the Marcel Harris train, which is usually a bumpy, but sometimes it's extremely exciting ride, but one that you probably don't want to take unless you have to. So I expect the 49ers to address strong safety at some point during the draft, probably prior to the seventh round. But if you find the right guy at the uh, right spot, then, then I'm pretty sure he has a fighting chance of winning himself a roster spot. If he's a thumper and he's you know going to be playing in the box a lot, then I'd like to pick in a pinch slash very unfortunate situation for the team. He could <laughs> find himself on the field at some point in 2020. Basically, in, in the seventh round, you sort of want to trade out of this round and do other rounds where you can get decent players. But if you do have to select in the seventh round, then you want Cameron Clark, obviously. And if you can't have him, then you want a guy with the potential to do something special or, or someone who's versatile that you could be thrown in in an emergency type of situation. Overall, I like the pick. I would have liked for you to have drafted Lamar Jackson, the, the quarterback, in this spot. but. <laughs> He is, he's not available, unfortunately. Yeah, that news totally ruined my entire draft board. I hate to ruin it for you. Selling for the other uh, Lamar Jacksons. I, I think that going with a, uh, a safety instead is a better move. So I also approve of this decision. So I really want to talk more smack, but <laughs> didn't have the opportunity to do so. So fantastic work, sir. All right. So there we go. We're obviously trying to fill needs for the team. And I think that we hit most of the needs along the way. It's kind of hard to do when the situation is not as flexible as you would like it to be. I think when it comes to the actual draft, you'll see a fair amount of moving and uh, a fair amount of uh, wheeling and dealing on John Lynch's part. I think last year I was reading something as I was putting together an article about some predictions for the draft um, the other day that John Lynch made like three or four day three trades last year, something like that. Just randomly. Just kind of moving up and down the board and picking players. and Closes his um, eyes, dart board. Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. Uh, it sort of seems like that sometimes. <laughs> but his history suggests that he is not going to stand pat at these seven picks. Yeah, we go and trade for sure. Yeah, and I, I also think there, there was an interesting, I was listening to Matt Mayoko on the 49ers Insider podcast the other day. We were talking about this earlier. Don't get me started. <laughs> he said a lot of crazy things, something about a something about a first round running back that we won't get into right now. But he did say one interesting thing. He was drinking at the time. I yeah, he so. might have been. <laughs> there was in, one interesting thing that he said that I think might hold true is that the 49ers have seven picks going into this draft. But he wouldn't be altogether surprised if they end up actually making fewer than seven picks when it's all said and done. And I think that's not the craziest thing ever. It's definitely not the craziest thing he said in that podcast. So. No, no, no. I feel like they'll <laughs> they'll trade around. And I think given their salary cap situation that they might not want to, they don't want to be bringing in eight or nine or 10 on drafted rookies because they just, they can't afford to pay everybody at this point. And, and that's just something you don't want to get into. But also this is a different situation than they were in three years ago when they were drafting to try to improve the team to get them out of the bottom of the, of the seller of the league. At this point, they're you know among the upper echelon of the league, and they know that. And so they're trying to fill in holes to get them back to the Super Bowl. And I think that is got to be ultimately the goal. It's not about acquiring a massive amount of players. It's about acquiring the right players who can fill spots, who can jump in either immediately or within the very near future to impact this team in 2020 and 2021. So 
yeah, this exercise tells a couple of things. First, that I'm not very good at pronouncing last names. <laughs> uh, and perhaps more importantly, that the 49ers are going to need to trade if they want to fill all of their needs as we believe them to be. I'm assuming that they agree generally that some positions need to be upgraded and we need backups and other positions and that kind of thing. So if they stand pat, it's very difficult for them to find seventh round players that you're expecting to be playing and contributing this year. It's just not likely to happen. So there will be willing and dealing. I, as the GM, shall wheel and deal. I like it. And I will try not to convince you that Joe Williams needs to be picked yeah. in the fourth round. Yeah, but if you're going to do it, at least just waste one of the seventh round picks, not something more than that. I'm just hoping that they will at least trade one of those two first round picks, which it makes total sense for them to do so. Can't see them really making serious moves without doing that. Just so like I have a reason to watch you know, the second day. I mean, not my John Lynch persona, but like my actual self. <laughs> so they have a reason to do anything. And not hit the slot machines, because otherwise I'm going to have to just force myself to watch it without the 49ers having any picks and just hoping that they somehow trade up to select one. And that's not going to be fun. Yeah, you thought watching the simulator was boring for that long. <laughs> Imagine watching the actual draft go on that long. Yeah, all these players that I want just going off the board because we don't have any picks. So. It's literally the entire second day and like <laughs> half of the third. It's like, yeah, wake me up on Sunday. So. <laughs> Saturday, basically. I mean for the players. All right, um, well, <laughs> as always, thanks for listening to the Nine and Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Uh, as always, check us out on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a nice review and subscribe and share the podcast with all your 49er fan friends. Looking forward to the draft. And um, I should note as well, the fan-sided Niner Noise group of writers is doing a live event for round one. It will be a bunch of the writers getting together and it will be broadcast on our Twitter feed and elsewhere. Facebook as well. Yeah, Twitter and Facebook. There we go. And you will have the ability to kind of see what we're thinking as the picks are coming in, some live reactions and analysis. And so that will be a lot of fun. So jump on Twitter and the Facebook when the draft gets started. But until then, we will see you next time, Niner fans. Have a good one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.